0: Alright, so I know that some of you are really surprised that, you know, Pastor Eddie's up on front. Usually it's Pastor Eric Jarvis. He usually does the end of year messages. Well, this year he told me that they serve breakfast sandwiches in the back for the preaching pastor. So I said, sure, I'll I'll take your spot. Turns out there's no breakfast sandwiches in the back. How disappointing is that? Well... Um, you guys have three more days to come up with those New Year's resolutions. Some of you are um, already on the ball. You already have your resolutions done. You're planning on you know, tackling those New Year's Day. Some of you, um, you know, New Year's resolutions are for, for slackers. You guys don't think that we should be doing that you know, just at the beginning of the year because you do that every day. Every day you wake up with a new set of challenges and new set of uh, goals to tackle. And then there's others of you who are like, you know, I still have a good two full days of eating whatever the heck I want. So don't bother me with all that stuff. According to Parade Online, the top 10 New Year's resolutions for 2020 are as follows. Lose weight. Improve your finances. That's kind of a good one. I like that one. Exercise. I could use that one too. Get a new job. I'll stick with this one for now. (sighs) Eat healthier. Manage st- stress better. Stop smoking. Improve a relationship. Stop procrastinating. And set aside time for yourself. I'd say a lot of these resolutions that they have come up with on their polls or, um, you know, however they calculate all this stuff. it The focus is on you, you as an individual, to be a better you. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be a better person? New Year's is a time for a fresh start, to be healthier, to be more financially stable, to have a happier family, to be fit, and so on. You know, fresh starts don't always have to be at a certain time of the year. New Year's is kind of an ideal time to have a fresh start. You know, kind of rolling from 2019, we're moving into 2020. It's, it's an ideal time. But life offers us a lot of different chances for fresh starts. Going to college. Who here has been to college before? Gone away for college? Okay, three of you. That's good. Okay. <laughs> at least I don't have to worry about sounding studious or educated or anything like that. <clears throat> Starting a new job. Marriage. Marriage is a time for a fresh start. Maybe it's selling a house and moving. Or it could be having a child. You know, for for my wife Tess and I, we are expecting our first uh, little baby girl in just a few weeks here. It's very exciting. It's going to be like a fresh start, not, not just for the baby girl, because literally she's going to be having a fresh start, Uh, but for the two of us, it's going to be a fresh start. Everything that this little girl knows will be from the two weird humans that she comes in contact with every day. We're going to have a chance to impact, impact her, and raise her. Fresh starts are exciting, and they're full of hopes and dreams. You know, the world has their own ideas and ideals of what a fresh start should look like for you as an individual. And yet we see that God has a different idea of what a fresh start looks like and how to begin a fresh start. You know, the point the main uh, the big idea in your outline is a true fresh start begins with Jesus. And today I want to look with you at what to recognize, what to receive, and how to and how to respond. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. God, you know I'm really nervous standing up here, um, but it is an exciting time. It's a it's a privilege to be standing here before the church family, and to be able to share with them um, your word. And Lord, I pray that as we dig through the scriptures together, that we can have an, an exciting time. We can learn at what it means to begin a fresh start with you. Whether we've started, whether, whether we've had a fresh start years, for years, or if this is the first time we're looking at having a fresh start with you. God, I pray, whatever the case, I pray that we all can learn together. pray this in your name. Amen. Today, I want to look with you through a passage of Scripture. Mark... In Mark chapter 1 uh, but before we read in Mark I'd like to give you a little bit of context and so we we see this passage this particular passage also uh, recorded in Matthew 8 and Luke 5 so I'm gonna jump to Matthew first Matthew I'm sorry Matthew 7 the end of 7 and um, beginning of 8 Matthew 7 28 we're gonna pick it up here and we're gonna roll right into chapter 8 Matthew seven twenty eight says, And when Jesus finished these teachings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For the teaching was, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, and just, just so you know, he had just gotten finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So he comes off the mountainside. When Jesus came down from the mountain, the great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Let's flip over to Luke. Luke 5. I've got these sticky tabs here in my Bible, and they like stick all the pages together. Luke 5. Uh, verses 12, verse 12, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. See, leprosy in the Bible is a general term which encompasses uh, numerous conditions, mostly skin conditions, and we see that from Leviticus 13.2, that it even included a swelling or an eruption or spot. If that was seen on a person, this person would have, would have to go to the priest and the priest would um, examine it. It's, it's interesting to note here, I was doing some reading on this and I wasn't planning on saying this, but it's interesting to note that if someone had leprosy or leprosy was uh, seen on someone, they would go to a priest, not a physician. Because leprosy was seen as something that was making somebody unclean or unholy. Whereas other ailments would, uh, they would be seen by a physician. So leprosy is is a, a huge problem. Um, metaphor in the Bible, not really a metaphor, but it's an allusion to our sin, and I'm going to roll into that a little bit here shortly, but they would be seen by a priest, and that priest would examine them. If it was uh, surface level, just above their skin, they would be set aside for seven days, kind of like quarantined. Anybody ever been in—I'm just kidding, don't raise your hand if you've ever been in quarantine or anywhere like that. Um, So they would be set aside for seven days and then re-examined by the priest— If it was still there, they would be set aside for another seven days and re-examined again. However, if it broke the skin or went deeper, they would be considered to be leprous. They would have leprosy. And that would then, at that point, the priest would deem them unclean. They would have to rip their clothes, let their hair hang loose, cover their upper lip, and wherever they went, they would say, Unclean, unclean, and they also had to stay 50 paces away from anybody else. Aside from the pain and the inconvenience that this physical ailment brought on somebody, the social stigma was probably worse. Those who were unclean were not allowed to worship with others, nor were they allowed to go to the temple. If the condition was incurable, their unclean state was permanent. You've got somebody who's not working, who's not living with other people. They had to live outside of the city. They couldn't worship with other people. They couldn't go to the temple and they couldn't make sacrifices in the temple, which is how you would in in Judaism, that's how you would present your sins to God. That's how you would receive um, the offering. That's how you would give the offering, is going to the temple. They couldn't do that. So for the context in this sermon and this uh, where Jesus is right now that we looked at in Matthew and Luke Jesus has just finished his sermon on the mountain he's coming down from the mountainside the crowds were, that were around him were probably dispersed at this point Jesus is going down with his disciples and he's headed to the next town and this man with leprosy probably was watching Jesus from a distance he couldn't get too close because why? Well, obviously, nobody wanted him around and he was supposed to stay 50 paces away from the the closest person. So he's probably from a distance watching Jesus, hearing his teachings and like, this is the guy. This is the guy I've been waiting for. And so Jesus is coming down the mountainside and this man with leprosy comes up to Jesus and he falls on his knees. And that's where we pick it up in Mark 1 verse 40. Mark 1 verse 40 says, And a leper came to him imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. It's interesting to note that he didn't ask for healing, but to be made clean. Asking for healing would seem to imply that he was simply interested in the physical condition to be gone. But the cleaning that he asked for was the process by which a leper could re-enter society. This man recognized his brokenness. In church today, in order to be made clean, I believe we need to recognize our brokenness. He knew he needed to be clean, both physically and spiritually. And I believe that in order for you to have a fresh start with Jesus, you need to recognize your brokenness. You'll never fully understand all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross until you understand how lost you are without him. You know, we're all born into this world as broken people. Our brokenness throughout the Bible is defined as sin. And sin is anything that is against the character of God. So if God lies, I'm sorry, if God doesn't lie, Lying is a sin. Anything that is against the character of God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Just like the leper in this passage, we're in a state of brokenness and separation. The leprosy is an illusion to our sin. Our sin keeps us from God and from truly living our lives the way they're meant to be lived. You might be thinking, gosh, Pastor Eddie, I'm not that bad of a person, you know. I've never murdered anybody or cheated a lot on my taxes. You know, I'm generally a good person. But how much did somebody need to be considered, ostr- or to be ostracized, ostracized from society? Right? It was what? A swelling or an eruption or a spot. That very little instance on somebody's arm or that little blemish or whatever would separate that person from society. They would be segregated for up to seven days and then reevaluated. If that got worse, then they would be separated permanently. Any sin in our life, past, present, maybe in the future, big or small, is keeping us from the separation. From separation from God. And that separation is eternal. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We must recognize our brokenness in order to begin a fresh start with Jesus. That's why time and time again you see stories about people that have hit rock bottom, They've nothing left. They've lost their families, their jobs, their wealth, their fame. Maybe it was drugs that did this. Maybe it was the death of a loved one that sent them down this path. Whatever the case may be, when you hit rock bottom, you have nowhere else to look except up to Jesus. And in this state, God still accepts us as we are. I have a quote from C.S. Lewis that uh, is going to be on the screen. I'm going to read it for you. This is from his book, The Problem of Pain. It says, I call this a divine humility because because it is a poor thing to strike our colors to God when the ship is going down under us. A poor thing to come to him as a last resort, to offer up our own when it is no longer worth keeping. If God were proud, he would hardly have us on such such terms. But he is not proud. He stoops to conquer. He will have us even though we have shown that we prefer everything else to him. And come to him because there is nothing better now to be had. The same humility is shown by all those divine appeals to our fears which trouble high-minded readers of Scripture. It is hardly complimentary to God that we would choose him as an alternative to hell. Yet even this, he accepts. Is God your last resort? Do you prefer other things to God? You may be here today. In 2019 has not been a year you would like to repeat. You're hoping for 2020 to be a better year. You may be here today in 2019. was an awesome year. And you're like, I could repeat that year again. That was awesome. Whatever the case may be, 2020 is a fresh start. And sometimes when life is going well, we are blinded by our own success and self-sufficiency. Maybe you're unsure if Jesus will take you back. Absolutely. going to tell you that right now absolutely he will take you back Jesus left the other 99 sheep to go after the one and I don't I don't know if you've wandered right outside of the sheep pen or if you wandered miles Jesus is still in the business of keeping his sheep no matter how far you strayed away from him he will always accept you back into his arms and if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ there is no better time than now you know, it's, it's like this gift back here. We've got this gift. It's been sitting here all along. You may have recognized it or noticed it. You may have just ignored it. But this gift has been sitting here all along. And it's available. It's available for me. It's available for you. It's free. It's right there. Now, I don't want you coming up here grabbing it afterwards. It's an illustration here. But in your brokenness you will realize your need for the gift of salvation. Again, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if we recognize that the gift is there, that we need the gift, we recognize our brokenness, now what do we do with the gift? Anybody? Sure. It's the second point in your outline. Receive it. There we go. All right, receive it. Flipping back to Mark, Mark 1, 41 to 44. It says, "'Move with pity.' "'He stretched out his hand and touched him "'and said to him, "'I will be clean.' "'And immediately the leprosy left him "'and he was made clean. "'And Jesus sternly charged him "'and sent him away at once "'and said to him, "'See that you say nothing to anyone, "'but go show yourself to the priest "'and offer for yourself cleansing.' What Moses commanded for proof to them. You know, why say nothing? I mean, why would Jesus tell him to keep this a secret? This is literally the greatest thing that has ever happened in this guy's life. Years and years, I don't know how long, maybe his entire life, he's been dealing with leprosy, ostracized from society, not able to worship, not able to work, not able to live with other people. And Jesus is like, no, 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 don't tell anybody. Go show yourself to the priest. You know, throughout Jesus' ministry, he never broke Mosaic Law. His desire was not to undermine the Jewish religious leaders. He was there to support them. But rather, he was there to reach them as well. In telling the man to go and present himself to the priest for proof, he was essentially asking the priest to validate his ministry and his work. Jesus literally gives the man a fresh start. The man's life has literally been changed. He was cleansed and he received that free gift available to him. This free gift that is available to us is the free gift of salvation. The leper did nothing except acknowledge who Jesus was and the power that he had. Jesus came to take on the sins of the world so that we wouldn't have to bear the penalty for our sins. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says this for by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a, not a result of works so that no one can boast it's literally the grace of God and the faith you have in him If salvation was based on works or what we could accomplish in and of ourselves, then attaining salvation would give any person the rights to brag about it. I received salvation. I got there yesterday. How about you? How far are you away from salvation? If you think about it, there is nothing that we did to deserve salvation. i say that again. There is nothing that we did to deserve Salvation. So naturally, there is nothing that you could do to lose your salvation. If there's nothing that you did to deserve it, there's nothing you could do to lose it. I've heard it said before the gospel is simple, but it is not easy. The gospel is simple, but it is not easy. It's simple in that all you need to do is believe. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And yet, the same th- yet, and yet at the same time, it's not easy to make that decision. Especially if life is going well for you. We tell ourselves, we've got it all together. I don't need Jesus. He'll only make things worse. Or I won't be able to do any of the things I want to do anymore. And that's why recognizing our brokenness is key. We need to understand that we are nothing. And in realizing that, we will realize that He is everything. Recognizing that we are nothing and realizing that, we will realize that He is everything. Now that you've recognized your brokenness and you have received the gift of salvation... It's now time for you to respond. All right, I recognize that there's a gift available to me. I've received this gift. It's pretty light. Probably popcorn. All I've right? received this gift. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to respond? Going back to Mark. Mark 1, verse 45. But when he went out and began to freely talk about it, or, but when he went out and began to freely talk about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. And it's interesting to note here that the leper is disobedient to Jesus's command. You're like, Pastor Eddie, I don't think that's a great thing. No, it, it probably wasn't a great thing. And remember, Jesus told the leper to say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest. And yet, why would he disobey Jesus at this point? I mean, literally, Jesus has restored the man's life back to normal. Or to a better state. I'm not going to try and speculate on why Jesus commanded the man to do this, because the reality is, Jesus knew that the man would disobey and not go to the priest. And yet, Jesus still heals the man Even though he knew that he would turn around and be disobedient right away. You have the leper who is literally separated from society in every aspect of his life. No working, no worshipping, no living in community, nothing. And you have Jesus who cleanses the leper. And now Jesus can no longer openly enter a town and is restricted to desolate places. They literally traded places. You know, John MacArthur's uh, exegesis on this passage, or his YouTube video on this particular passage is titled, Jesus Trades Places with a Leper. I thought it was pretty, pretty interesting there. And, and it literally happened. Jesus Trades Places with the Leper. The Leper who is in it, you know, ostracized from society is not allowed to work, worship, anything else with community gets healed by Jesus who is with crowds and in towns and stuff like that. And yet, When Jesus heals him the crowds are so much that Jesus has to go and be in desolate places away from people and yet the crowds are still coming to him. I'm reminded of this verse in 2 Corinthians 5. God made him 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become The righteousness of God Jesus took on the sins of the entire world so that we could experience righteousness in God he took on your sins he took on my sins and if you notice even though the leper disobeyed he didn't receive his leprosy back he didn't receive his leprosy back As Christians, there are times when we still disobey God. And yet, uh, in our disobedience, we don't receive our brokenness and separation back from God. God's love and forgiveness is unconditional. It's based on how—it's not based on how good or how bad we are. Once we receive that spiritual cleansing, we are eternally His— Do you think that maybe Jesus told the leper not to tell anyone because he knew that people would be more interested in a physical healing as opposed to a spiritual cleansing? I mean this man's literally out there Jesus is literally out there in the mountains and the towns and the synagogues preaching the scriptures and people are hearing the word and there is spiritual cleansing happening left and right people's lives are being changed now don't get me wrong Jesus absolutely used physical miracles and healings throughout his ministry to be a sign or an example of his power in addition to help in addition to helping those see who he really is but a lot of time we are more interested And what's in it for us? How can I benefit from this Christian thing? So, how do we respond? The leper in the passage has so much joy from being cleansed by Jesus that he goes out and freely talks about what Jesus has done for him. This man cannot contain his joy. And he was so effective in his sharing about what Jesus had done for him that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. And he had to be in desolate places. Our response to what Jesus has done for us should be filled with joy. Like this gift here. You know, once we recognize our need for the gift and we actually receive it, do we keep it in the box? Do we put it away in a closet or up in the attic? Do we hide it from everybody else? No, absolutely not. See, I'm I'm a big uh, fan of Legos. I like Legos uh, a lot. And anytime I get Legos, I, I... Open them up right away. Last year for Christmas, I got Legos. <clears throat> um, I'm 31. It's okay. Uh, so last year for Christmas, I got Legos. First thing I opened to play with was what? Legos. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't keep it in the box. I just wanted to play with it. I wanted to build it, and it was it was awesome. I'm gonna show them off. But how do we actually accomplish this? What should our response look like as Christians? in what Jesus did for us. Again, back to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then the next verse, verse 10, says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, good works are a response to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Good works don't get us to the cross. Good works are a result of the cross. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. Your joyful response because of what Jesus has done for you should be producing fruit left and right. Your families and your neighbors should see this type of fruit coming out of your life. Your coworkers and people on social media, the person sitting right next to you, should be seeing this fruit come out of your life. The fruit that is evident in your life will either point people to Jesus or point people away from Jesus. What fruit are you producing? Are you involved with serving somewhere? What are your motives behind coming to church or serving? You know, it's important that we avoid churchianity. You might be asking, what's churchianity? It's the idea that being really involved in the church organization is equal to living a truly godly life. Christianity is more than a social club. We are called to be imitators of Christ. Again, Ephesians 5, 1-2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God walking in love (laughs) that's a hard one are you the same lovable person that I'm looking at right now in your homes in your school on the bus maybe at work sometimes, sometimes not on social media Facebook 08055 page your Xbox I want you to know that no matter who you are or where you find yourself or what you've done there is always a fresh start available for you Jesus is here with open arms he's waiting Recognize your brokenness. Receive the gift of salvation and respond with an uncontainable joy. I want to close with this quote from J.S. Park from his book, What the Church Won't Talk About Real Questions from Real People about raw, gritty, everyday faith. Lastly, don't ever, ever, ever think that you have been gone too long to come to Him. God is not some spiritual parole officer waiting for you to fail. If you've strayed from prayer, he is not keeping some score. If you don't feel him at all, tell him that. I don't feel you right now, God. Pray with any amount of faith that you have and believe that prayer works. Ask for faith if you have none. If you're mad, tell him. If you're ashamed, guilty, confused, doubtful, tell him. He can handle that. He is understanding, patient, gracious. He loves you. You'll soon find you'll want to talk to him because he's actually pretty awesome to talk to. J.S. Park, let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity for all of us to be here. Lord, it is a privilege to come before you And God, I pray that if there are people here today who have not received a fresh start in you, Lord, that that you present yourself to them, that they can find you, God. I pray that they recognize their brokenness. I pray that they receive the gift of salvation and that they respond with joy. If there is anybody hurting here today, Lord, I pray that you, you heal them. I pray that as we go into 2020, Lord, that we can um, really desire to follow you in everything that we do and everything that we say. Pray this in your name. Amen.